Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, timeless investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along. Hello. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. It is not Christmas when we're recording this, but when this podcast goes up, it will be Christmas. So Merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. We hope you have a great day. Uh, Jeff's got his red uh, Christmas uh, button down on. Specifically okay. for the podcast, he planned that out. Mm -hmm. Of course, he did not. But we definitely hope everybody uh, has a great Christmas. In today's podcast, we are going to be talking about process and process okay. over outcome and how to become a better investor over time. Obviously, that's what we uh, try to do every single day. And we have done a process podcast before. Mm -hmm. uh, my uh, our, our chief comfort <laughs> officer, the, the office dog, is messing with our lights right now. So hopefully he doesn't do that or, or take it down. Uh, but uh, we've talked about it before, but obviously we're always trying to get better. So I think it's good to revisit certain topics. And that's what we're going to do mm -hmm. uh, today. Uh, but before we do that, Let's pay the bills. Uh, yeah. If this is the first time that you are checking in with us, be sure to hit that subscribe button, thumbs this video up. Leave us a rating review. If you're in the holiday giving spirit and you want to make us happy, give us a Christmas present. Uh, leave us a rating review. That goes a very long way, and we definitely appreciate uh, everybody that does that. Also, go to FocusCompound.com, our premium research website. Typically focus on overlooked stocks, but people mm -hmm. put up big stocks as well or, or maybe less overlooked stocks. Uh, Jeff writes about ideas, two to three different ideas a week. Uh, members sometimes put up ideas as well, but Jeff definitely is the biggest contributor. I'm going to start writing more, so I'm saying publicly. Okay. I've been, uh, you know, focused more That's on other content. Resolution. Should that be my New Year's resolution? Sure. Yeah, well, I'm saying it publicly <laughs> right now. So um, uh, definitely check it out, focuscompounding.com. Yeah. Be sure to sign up on the premium side. If you like free stuff, uh, sign up for our email list on the homepage. You'll see the Gannon Gazette. Mm -hmm. The Gannon Gazette. We're, we're, mm. we're pulling a Ben Franklin right now. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, the Gannon Gazette, uh, it goes out uh, really whenever we think about it. Probably <laughs> we haven't decided yet. We didn't commit to anything. Uh, once every two weeks. Once every two weeks. There you go. But sometimes we send that once every week because yeah. we feel like it. Yeah. Um, and uh, you could sign up for that on the homepage for free. Uh, you get a free stock right up from the website. And then also, um, we add our uh, price of when we uh, do, did due diligence on a stock mm -hmm. and then when we're going to revisit it. So a lot of people like that. So let's talk about process okay. and process over outcome. And of course, you know, I'm of the mind that if you have the right process and you don't focus on the outcome over time, you should have a good outcome, hopefully. Okay. Um, and we're always trying to refine the process to become better investors. So what do you think is something about your process, first off, that is different from other investors? Obviously, you speak to investors all the time. You get a ton of emails, mm -hmm. um, you know, both, you know, at the present and over the years. What's something that you do that other investors don't do? Okay, well, a few things. One, I think we mentioned in some podcasts that I read the whole 10K no matter what. Once yeah. I start the 10K, I guess some people stop reading it at some point. Um, two, uh, almost always, uh, I the thing that's probably different is I do, uh, I assume, a 10-year holding period. Okay. So when I, that doesn't mean that I'll own the stock for 10 years and doesn't mean I wouldn't prefer a stock that might pay faster, I guess, pay off faster. But um, I do always analyze on the basis of 10 years forward. So I don't do like a DCF where you would assume you own the stock forever. 
but I also don't um, do what a lot of people are doing, which is like, what's next? What will we trade on next year's EBITDA or something like sure. that? Um, so that I'd say that's probably one of the biggest ones. And then I calculate backwards from that assumption uh, what I think that uh, basically how um, little does it have to grow, how little does it have to, you know, uh, the margin, uh, the uh, multiple expand, whatever, to get me the kind of return I want. Sure. So how do I make sure that I make at least 10% a year and hopefully more over the next 10 years? It's yeah. like the inverted way of, of approaching it, I think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, and we talk about this. We don't do re- reverse DCFs, but, you know, it's good, I think, sometimes to see what the market is kind of pricing in mm-hmm. the expectations and you know if you think those are realistic expectations or not if you think maybe the market thinks that the stock's going to you know uh crater mm-hmm. uh, or like the business is going to crater based on like revenues and eps and stuff like that um, and if you don't believe that it could make an interesting idea so i think it's a, a pretty rational approach to investing if you ask me mm-hmm. you know it's a different way of looking at it. it's kind of mongers invert always invert yeah, that's the biggest process different uh, difference, I would guess. Yeah. Okay, but let's actually talk about like the habits that go okay. into your process. All right. What do you think you do that's different than... Now, of course, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's as exceptional as you. Okay. But what do you think that you do that other investors don't do? I use a ton of paper. <laughs> that's a, a favorite topic for people on the podcast. Yeah. No, I mark up everything. So mm-hmm. that is one big difference that I don't have a file or something where I keep things. I mark up everything. Uh, writing down on the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that's different is I write up things and stuff, and what people may not know is I do not refer to the notes ever. Yeah, that was one thing that I thought was interesting. <laughs> so Jeff and I, we, we work next to each, uh, mm-hmm. each other now. We didn't always. Um, and, you know, I, I see him in the zone, typing away probably like 500 words per minute, clicking away, and I'm and he's writing the, the write-ups, and I'm like, he, he's not even using any notes from like reading the annual mm-hmm. report or anything. He literally does it. And, he, and I asked you, and you said that you try to do it all from memory. Yeah. And you do do it all from memory. I'm like, how do you do that? Yeah, so it's sometimes if you read an article, I would say it's like, you know, um, around 10, 10% or about 13.6 million yeah. shares or something. It's because I'm not going to go back and check the exact number. Or you say like, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, but, there, but there's an actual reason for why I do that, which is the same thing as like I explain to people why it's a good idea to have a calculator. The other thing that I try to sell people on a calculator instead of a phone or something like that. Yeah. But to have a calculator with them is because you won't do the calculation if you don't have it right at hand. Mm-hmm. For me, if I have the notes to refer to, then I feel like you don't memorize the information. Yeah. So it, when you want to know how to uh, make decisions about what stock to invest in and stuff, the best way to have it is to have all the information in your head at all times. So like, like for instance, after I write about something, what I'll often do is I'll go out and take a walk. And it's a very good idea because then I have all that information already that's fresh in my mind, and then I can really think about it freely. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you do that, just thinking about a stock, for a lot of people, it's not going to be that easy just to go over a stock in their mind if they haven't um, sort of memorized all the key points and then they of the go, key like, information. they go to the next idea or like the next browser page. Yeah, I don't think it's a good sign if you have to have an Excel sheet in front of you or notes in front of you to be able to understand the stock, or certainly to be able to talk about the stock. You should be able to talk about the stock and the basic math involved. Uh, you know, off the top of your head. I mm. think so. Because you want to master all that stuff to have an understanding of it because you're going to compare it to other stocks and things like that. So how do you improve that for people that are lacking that? Well, one is not to refer back to the notes. Um, two is to write all over the, the 10K and stuff, which I do, which is, um, I mean, basically to- like talk to the 10K. You know what I mean? I think it's different than when people think in terms of what I'm saying. Like I'm marking it up to take notes. I'm like, you know, I sometimes it's like I don't believe this. Yeah, I was just going to say, one thing I, I learned from you is most people, they read it and they, they take the information as it is. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of times. So what Jeff does when he, you know, marks up uh, an annual report, 10K, uh, quarterly letter, whatever. Um, to the things that he doesn't necessarily agree with, he'll underline it and put, hmm, 
mm-hmm. next to it. Hmm. HMM. You know. Yep. You know. And there's a lot of stuff that you. So you're actively reading it. I would say. You know. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, which I thought was interesting when I watched the documentary Inside Bill's Brain on Netflix. Okay. He said oftentimes the books that he does not like take him longer yeah. to finish because <laughs> he spends so much time. Yeah marking up his book, underlining, writing in the margins about how much he doesn't agree with it. Yeah. And I think that's a great approach to doing it because it it really gets you in tune with whatever it is that you're reading. Yeah. The the write-ups that I feel are the worst, and I don't feel they're my fault for being the worst. They're just like the least information came from the company or the company wasn't really that interesting investment idea or whatever, actually took the longest to write up. Um, And because of so much in it that it was just... um, like we we did some one of the ones recently that I did was the one on Amark Precious Metals. Yeah. And that took an incredibly long time to do. There's some that I haven't even written up because I went through them and everything. There's just not enough information about the things I care about. Um, but you're marking up so many things. The the easiest ten like reading people ask what's the best ten Ks to read and stuff. Yeah. And they want you to say like Berkshire Hathaway or whatever, like these, you know, things that are really informative and everything. And that's true, but they're like easy to read and they're kind of fun to read. And the actual things you have to deal with that you often get the best information from are things where it's pretty hard to figure out the company it takes a very long time and it's not that fun of an experience for you know and there's a lot of notes on it like there's a ton of stuff that i've written on it yeah um okay so you uh try using a real calculator which is true i hear about a zillion times a day if you opening up your thing mm-hmm. it's like whoosh, whoosh. yeah i have a calculator from uh, middle school <laughs> yeah. it still works to this day yeah still so works to this day it's 20 25 years old what other things do you add? How often do you read? And I know all these questions, okay. answers, but I'm just trying to, you know, move the podcast ahead. How often do you read other books outside of reading 10Ks? I mean, like, could you mm-hmm. could you make the case for um, not reading books and really just spend yeah. more time on just 10Ks? Yeah, I know. I, sh- I should do that. But you, I you, do that more than most people do, I think. But I still should probably do more. I should read more 10Ks and fewer books and things. Yeah, I think it helps to focus more on that. I mean, we talked a little bit about the Charlie Munger thing. People talk about Charlie Munger and like the multidisciplinary sort of approach. Yeah. Um, and there might be some truth to that. But do you think that's because his he's not 100% focused on investing? I don't no. think he's been 100% focused on investing for a very long time. I think he was 100% focused on investing for about 12 years of his entire life. So like you think um, pretty much his, his partnership days? Yeah. And then Wesco? I don't think he was 100% focused on investing at any, at most of his time with Buffett. Really? So uh, just he, his partnership days, basically. So yeah. do you think really it's been more so like he's just like a, a filter for Buffett or? I don't think you necessarily have to be 100% focused on investing to be a successful investor. Uh-huh. I think it's good to, but I think that um, it's possible with a very focused portfolio, with having done it for a while and been successful, that you can basically retire from it. And still be successful when you come out of retirement to, mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. Not at the same level, but yeah, I think that that's true. Um, yeah. And he can quickly judge certain things and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, like he did with Daily Journal with um, buying, you know, a few bank stocks and things like that. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. So uh, reading books, I mean, you're still for, I mean, you, you typically read books on business, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, you don't read I try a lot to read of, business books more than investing books. Yeah. yeah. You don't read, you read investing books. You read a lot of Are you kind books. of obscure? I don't know about obscure ones, but I read more things from the 1800s and stuff than you do probably. Yeah. I don't really enjoy 1800s stuff, but actually. Did you like the Rockefeller book? I did. Okay. And, and I've been reading um, the book on Andrew Carnegie. And there what's been most fascinating about actually kind of reading more stuff from the 1800s is that to me is that technically, when you think about it, it wasn't that long ago, mm-hmm. and how much the world has changed. Yeah, which is crazy. It's true. The world and has for changed me, a lot. Yeah, for me, like that's that's been like the biggest takeaway of kind of being in this circa you know eighteen hundreds time frame of reading all these mm-hmm. books. I'm now I'm reading um, 
I can't even remember the name. I'm so bad with titles. Okay. But it's about uh, bananas <laughs> and the guy that like built an empire. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, bananas. I can't remember the book. It's going to really okay. bother me. It's got a banana on it from Sam the Banana Man. <laughs> okay. Know. But anyways, it's a fascinating book. Um, but that started pretty much in like the Rockefeller and Carnegie Fund yeah. as well. But it, like if you see, we don't really invest in like emerging markets and third world countries and stuff. But uh, if you did, then some of the stuff you're reading from the 1800s would make a little more sense. Uh, because the way the economy works and, uh, does have some similarities more to how oh, it, it works. The fish that ate the whale. Duh. Okay. Yeah. Um, have certain similarities more to things like how Rockefeller built up his empire and Carnegie and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just hard to have those kinds of advantages now in the U.S. because they're already... Regulation and stuff too, right? Regulation, things like that. And also just like some of those things have already scaled up quite a bit mm-hmm. around it. Um, and, and those are very capital intensive sort of things. Like if we were studying China or something, that's a much more capital intensive uh, economy than the United States. You know? How do you keep up? with news on all these companies that you're researching um like how do you keep up with like okay so you study the company maybe you're interested in it maybe not but it's on your list of companies that you'd like to potentially own how do you like stay up to date on that this is the one that i don't like saying but it i don't stay up to date nearly as much as other people do yeah because i I don't think that it if it was that important i mean there are some situations where they're like special situations and things where it'd be critically important and but i've made if i have to be and we've done this i've made mistakes where this has happened where i had to be up to date in every moment about the stock but it's because i misjudged something early on that it became a problem then we we had bought the stock and and then things were happening with it that i hadn't planned on before but normally if we bought into a stock and i was right in the first place about its competitive advantages and things there's no reason why i need to know a lot of detail every even every quarter it's it should be business as usual for the most part um some things do change and you have to stay up to date with so i am very interested in hearing what management has to say sort of their tone whether i like management or not capital allocation stuff some things like that uh big changes in strategy and and stuff like that yeah um which is what you've said (laughs) is typically if you sell it's because a you realize you made a mistake or b Mm -hmm. It has a lot to deal with, I mean, how management communicates either strategy, capital allocation, or what they're going to do on a forward basis, like relative to that. Right, yeah. It's not like I'm looking for guidance from the company in terms of like literally what they think they're going to earn in the next few um, quarters or years or something, uh, because usually that's not the basis on which we buy into a stock. Yeah. Um, and also, if it became really important on that sort of thing, uh, then their competitive position would be changing a lot. Now, if you're investing in companies that have more... A questionable competitive position, which is fine. It's it's okay to do if you buy them incredibly cheap and you diversify and stuff. So Ben Graham type things, it may become important to know exactly what their you know their same store sales are if it's a retailer or something, or just like what competition is coming in in more of a commodity type business. Mm-hmm. Like if if um, we own a coal company that isn't exposed at all to commodity prices of coal, if you were buying into a coal company that was exposed to that, they sometimes have very high earnings in a good year for coal pricing, and then they have terrible earnings shortly later in the cycle and so you have to know that kind of thing and if you bought it on that basis of it being really cheap versus like that year's expected free cash flow then it matters a lot um i mean the natural gas stuff with NACA or something mattered um but it's not a big surprise i mean we knew what natural gas prices were and you know like basically how much the production at a well declines or something so i don't know but like whereas more so like compare NACA, for instance to which has some natural gas exposure but mostly that we can predict and expect ahead of time to like KLXE, right? Yeah. Uh, which is incredibly important. And there's been a huge turn down in like actual activity uh, for shale and stuff like that in the U S. And so it completely changes your expectations about the company. But even more than that is because 
<clears throat> it's also leveraged. Mm-hmm. So if you have companies that are have to be careful about their solvency and stuff like that, uh, then that's a big issue. Generally, we invest in companies that have very little debt. And even if they do have debt, they tend to have some cash on hand and their debt is more like spaced out compared to most people. A lot of them have net cash. And yeah, stuff. We, yeah, we don't really invest in companies that have, we really never invest in companies that have like low cash positions and have a lot of um, bank debt that's come due, uh, rec- well, come due soon. I mean, right now we have nothing that has debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so we, okay, what other habits do you think investors can add to their process to become better investors over time? Um, and I know we said like we don't want to beat a dead horse, but you know, read a lot. Yeah, a lot. try to. I mean, I we just said I do what two or three write-ups a week for the website. Yeah. So you, I think the single best thing you can do seriously is start a blog. Yeah, and put I it out there on the internet. Right. Mm-hmm. Put it out out there on Twitter. There's a lot of manics on Twitter that would love to tell you when you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I mean, it, it, but it truly is a great process. I think I always tell people who ask, and yeah. I actually have a buddy that is starting a, a blog, which I'm okay. very happy Good. to be the influence of that. And um, you know, it's it's the best thing to to put your ideas in your head on paper and then put it out there for the world to see and be vulnerable to criticism and other people's ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or their thoughts on the topic. And because quite honestly, it's only going to make you a better investor. Even if they say, you know, you're wrong because of this, it's, it's you know, it's only going to be constructive that way. Yeah. And if you can't do a blog, at least find someone to talk to, to talk stocks with. There are a lot of people who don't really um, have a, people to talk with talk through their idea with. Yeah. So basically they're just doing the work on the stock themselves. They're not doing a write up about it. And then they're not also kind of talking the idea through with someone else, just having hearing yourself, even if it's not very useful that the other person's actually giving you a lot of good feedback. Yeah. Um, is just very useful. The same thing is true with blogs and stuff. Like how useful is it? The comments and things you'll get, Mm, it might be useful sometimes it might not, but just getting your words out there, even if no one read your blog would actually be surprisingly uh, helpful. And the thing is no one is going to, uh, write blog posts and things and then just put it in a drawer at home. But if you put it up on the internet and no one reads it, it makes it more fun. Th- then they would still do it's it. It's more real. Yeah. <laughs> what about um, other blogs? I mean, if you think about Buffett in his early days, he had sort of his group of investors that he would correspond back and forth mm-hmm. with. I mean, that's our generation technically of the blog. You know and, that I and, correspond with a lot of investors, or I correspond with a few investors a lot. Yeah. And then I read a lot of blogs. Yeah. So Jeff's yeah. got a blog role, and there's probably like, what, 40 or 50 different blogs? There's got to be more there. than 50 because I've had to create another page. For and it, and what's interesting is, um, what is it that you use? Tell them. NetVibes? NetVibes. What yeah. is it? NetVibes. There you go. NetVibes. But that's just because that was a, I don't know what the software, what the thing is that people use today, but like, that's I've been what doing you this for so long. long. <laughs> that yeah. was a major thing back yeah. and then. And what's nice is, I mean, when you read the blog, it pretty much, it tells you that you've read it in the past. So you could really mm-hmm. stay up to date on the most current ones that people uh, put up. But yeah, I think uh, building a network of investors that may think very similar to you and look at a bunch of different ideas, I think that's also very good to do. I mean, Buffett did that in the early days and, um, you know, it's it's good to follow investors like that. That's one advantage that we have talking about on the podcast. If we talk about a stock, we will get feedback from people. Now, what's interesting is sometimes we'll get completely contradictory feedback you know you're wrong because of which this is good wrong because yeah but i mean you know um w- which is which is very good but i mean so people who will say they know a lot about the stock and stuff and sometimes you'll get completely opposite uh views on it but um especially with more obscure stocks it is helpful that they'll um 
give us information about it, about what their thinking is on it. Uh, I think more so even than with better known stocks, because sometimes we're one of the few people talking about it. Yeah. And so if, you know, so there's something about it that if you hear about a stock that, oh, I know that stock well or whatever, you know, like a $7 million market cap stock or whatever we talked about the other day, um, that just doesn't get talked about much. And so when people go, oh, I've read about that one and you've read about it, then, you know, um, you get feedback from them about it and you can talk it through with them. That's something that you can't do if you don't have this sort of platform, but you can talk with other people about it. And you have to sort of have some overlap in the same kind of stocks that you like. Yeah. So if you like more obscure stocks and things, you're going to have to find people who like that too. Yeah. because it's not going to work talking to people who are interested in Facebook and stuff if you're interested in, you know, George Risk or whatever. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we got uh, re-10Ks. Obviously, that's mm -hmm. that's always the number one thing. Um, you mark up the actual 10K itself. Yeah. What do you do with the files when you're done? <laughs> We're trying to change this. Right okay, now. lately what I've been doing with the files is scanning it and sending it to you. Yes, and I'm okay. keeping it electronically. So in the future, we could sort of... So we can still it. kill the trees, but also have an electronic copy of it. Nice. <laughs> but but um cut that out cut that out <laughs> but uh yeah um so uh, we do do that uh generally though i have uh, some files that I, I had kept before literally physical files that yeah. i keep on some things um uh, just the stocks that i'm most interested in nine out of ten stocks i'm not interested enough in to keep any information on it uh -huh. and to some extent i can keep most of the things that matter about it in my head i mean uh I figured, you asked me one time about a book about that, about like how much you actually retain of it. And it's like you just retain the things that you th that you think might be really useful. The important stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not just important. It's important stuff, but it's not like I remember when so-and-so was born and whatever from biography. I remember a few like life lessons or whatever that I got from it that I think I can apply somewhere. Mm -hmm. If I read about some stock and I throw away the file or whatever, I still remember what kinds of things I was interested in about it. If you were to talk about it on the podcast and say, oh, here's a stock you didn't write up or you did, and it's been a long time, what do you remember about it? I would be able to tell you why I passed on it and things yeah, like yeah. that, you know, so what sort of issues that they had with it. And, and we've actually talked about a few stocks like that before. Um, we mentioned like Garrett Motion or Residio mm -hmm. or um, uh, just some stuff like that. Or even like when we talked about Amar Precious Metals or something, you talked about it a few weeks late after I'd done it. And I remember the only thing that I really liked about that business was the skewered lending business. Mm -hmm. So you do remember those things. Yeah. yeah. Got it. So, and then use a real calculator. That's something that Jeff tries to get people. I don't to do. think I'm going to convince anyone to do that. <laughs> but the problem is, if they don't, then they have their phone. Yeah, I'm very anti-phone. I like we I like joke about the fact that I'm a technophobe or whatever, but which is not I wouldn't say is exactly. Funniest true, part is, is your phone is so like bland. My f yes, yeah, like very. Well, we were, it's like a black background. <laughs> I've seen. I mean, I've seen you yeah. from being next to you. Very black background. I don't even know if he has any apps on. Just very much used for just maybe a text to me or a call. That's it. Yeah, we were somewhere, and you're like, "Did you take maps off of your yeah, phone?" And yeah. I was like, "If it lets me delete it, I delete it." Yeah. <laughs> yes. So the only things that are on my phone are things my phone won't let me delete. It's incredible. Um, uh, so that I have the things that I want from yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, the the reason with the phone thing is. Because I don't think it's a great idea every time you want to do a little math on the 10K to be able to check a stock price or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. No, I, I think people can true. get distracted and stuff by yeah. that. I mean, I, I uploaded actually a recent article you wrote in 2013 and uh, to Focus Compounding mm -hmm. from GannonInvesting.com, and you were talking about how you like, really like to approach it from the way that Buffett you know, approached petrochemical. Yeah. Or PetroChina. Uh, PetroChina. Sorry, yeah. PetroChina. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, just really valuing it first and then, you know, approaching the or figuring out what the stock price that's is. The, absolutely that, that's the best. I mean, it's hard to do because unfortunately we're familiar with so many stocks already. And in the 10K, they do show 
yeah. with the stock trade app. That's blah, true. Blah, blah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. But so often because of the screening and stuff, you already know what the stock uh, did. But but if you had someone who you trusted, like as you thought was a good investor, and you knew they were interested in this idea, and they just said, "Look at it." Um, then I would. You know, if you sent me something you said just look at it, I would just read the 10K. Yeah. I wouldn't need to go and see what it's trading at and stuff. You wouldn't bring me something unless it was interesting that mm-hmm. way. Um, same sort of thing. If you saw that some investor that you like a lot, some super investor or whatever, owns the stock or is buying some right now, then you can just go and read the 10K right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And I think the best thing often is to read about um, 10Ks without any reference to the price. Like, don't screen on the basis of price because it's most useful to know about the the businesses because they change so much in value. You know, mm-hmm. that if you find a business that you can really understand in value, then it's going to be down 50% at some point in the future. Sure. It will happen, you know, yeah. and they might be attractive stock then. Whereas if you just look at the price thing, you're limiting how much you'll know about a stock ahead of time. Sure. I found that to be very, very true. Like, one huge difference for me from some other people, I think, is that I don't think people realize how often I've bought something that I was familiar with a few years before. Uh-huh. And it, I don't go around trying to research things with the idea that this won't pay off at all now. I will only be able to buy it years from now. But I often pass on something because of price. Yeah. And then so much about a business, a good business, is often very similar a few years later. It mm-hmm. doesn't take much to understand what the situation is now if you really knew the company five yeah, years ago. Yeah, so you're ago. already that much ahead. Yeah. yeah, for the companies that don't change that much. Mm-hmm. A lot of companies do change a lot. And so those, are just, those aren't really what we focus on. But people who are doing special situations and stuff, they just got to take a different approach. Yeah, and then of course, uh, maybe get on Twitter, get on Fintwit. Um, there's you know smart people you could you yeah, know find stock like ideas like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, blog, look at a bunch of different blogs, people that fit your style. Um, you know, and talk to other investors. I think that uh, that definitely helps because they may see something differently than you do, and they have different experiences than you do, and they can maybe give you some sort of insight or some sort of advice. So I think that's all good stuff to do. I think that's great stuff to do if you mix it in with the hard work they have to do on your own. Yeah. I think it's great to the best would be a combination. Yeah. No, if you spent one day um, trying to find new ideas, talking with people, operating on a more cast a wide net, but it's a shallow uh, dive into things. That's great. If the next day you spend it alone in a deep dive on some sort of 10K, the danger is that you get more into that sort of thing. You know, um, I, we've sort of joked about like discussion boards and things like that, but yeah. I do look at them. I do read them uh-huh. and find useful ideas from them sometimes. But what that wa- you want that to be just a small part of what you do. And then you're spending most of the time actually researching whatever, like as soon as you go, oh, this idea is interesting, then stop reading the discussion about it and start analyzing the 10K. Yeah, 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 I would agree with that. Well, that is the end of the podcast. Again, we hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. Go to focuscompounding.com and sign up. Premium side of things, Jeff Rice. Yeah, you could give the gift of Focus Compounding. What do you mean? You could buy it and give the other person yeah. to log in. Yeah, they, yeah, I could. You're right. <laughs> and join the, uh, the free email list, um, the Gannon Gazette, the famous Gannon Gazette that goes out, uh, like you guys heard, twice a week. Also, be sure no. to... no. I know. Once every, every two, two weeks. weeks. Every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to check out our YouTube. We have over 100 and you know 30 different videos up on there. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, thumbs this video up. And of course, if you want to give us a gift because it's Christmas and you are fearing, feeling very jolly, leave us a rating review. That definitely goes a long way. Uh, we hope everybody has a great holiday. Uh, we look forward to seeing you on Friday and we will see you in the next podcast. Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and that was the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to follow along.